Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. On the third Sunday of the joyful and holy 50 days after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Church nourishes us with the story of the Samaritan woman, which we heard on the fourth Sunday of the Great Fast. The fact that the Church arranges for us to contemplate this story once in the Great Fast and then not too long afterwards in the Joyful Fifty Days is a testament to the depth of the Holy Scripture. Every passage offers us several levels of meaning that speak to us at different times and in different ways. For example, we know Scripture has a literal or historical meaning which teaches us what happened at a certain time. It also has a spiritual or allegorical meaning, which has three aspects. The dogmatic aspect, which refers to the mystery of Christ and his church. The moral aspect, which instructs believers in how they should live. And the eschatological aspect, which focuses our minds on the eternal kingdom to come. Christians living in the West during medieval times, they created a short song to help them remember these aspects. The letter shows us what God and our fathers did. The allegory shows us where our faith is hidden. The moral meaning gives us rules of daily life. The mystical meaning shows us where we end our strife. In the same way, the story of our Lord's encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well is given to us in this season so that we might meditate on it in the context of our Lord's resurrection. Of all the different aspects of the story, one of the most striking is that of the Samaritan woman's union with Christ, which is a model for our own union with him as well. Consider the fact that the Samaritan woman met Christ at a well. Throughout the Holy Scripture, there seems to be something significant about a man and a woman at a well. This image is repeated throughout the Scripture as a sign of love and union, for example, in Genesis 24, our father Abraham sends his trusted servant to his country to find a pure, holy, and virginal woman for his beloved son Isaac. Abraham's servant travels to the homeland and stops at a well, where he notices Rebekah coming. He notices also that she is a pure and beautiful woman. The rest of Genesis 24 speaks about how the servant returned to Abraham and brought Rebekah to Isaac. When Isaac first looks upon Rebekah, she is again next to a well, and the scripture tells us that Isaac took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. In this story, we can see how a well figured prominently not once but twice in the loving union of Isaac and Rebekah. A similar thing happens in the story of Jacob and Rachel. As you know, Jacob is Isaac's son. When Jacob travels to his homeland to find a wife, he stops at a well, and there he sees Rachel. Just as his father Isaac loved Rebekah at a well, Jacob loves Rachel when he sees her at a well. In fact, he loves her so much at this encounter that he agrees to work seven years for a dishonest man simply to make her his wife. Again, however, a well plays a prominent role in the loving union between Jacob and Rachel. The well is also significant in the union between the prophet Moses and his wife Sephora. 
After Moses escaped from Egypt, he came to the land of Midian and stopped at a well to drink. The people gave him water from the well, and then they took him to the owner of the well who gave Moses his daughter Sephira as his wife. In light of all of these examples, when we think about the meeting of a man and a woman at a well, it has a special significance relating to the union between them. When our Lord came to Sychar in Samaria and stopped at Jacob's well, he saw the Samaritan woman. What then transpired between Christ and the Samaritan woman was a loving union. Of course, it was not a physical union as in the other stories, but clearly the Samaritan woman has finally met and been united with the bridegroom of her soul, our Lord Jesus Christ. She had been married to five husbands and was living illicitly with a sixth man, but they could not satisfy what she really desired in her soul. Only Christ, the living God who fills all things, could fill her heart and soul. Similarly, any person who believes in Christ has found the bridegroom of his or her own soul. For in St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, we are reminded that the church is the bride of Christ. But what is the church? The church is the community of believers, the laos tutheo, or people of God in the original Greek of the New Testament. The union that takes place between God and his people is constantly referred to in the Holy Scripture as the deep and intimate relationship between a bride and her bridegroom. For example, throughout the Old Testament, God used the image of a bride to describe his people Israel. Even in the New Testament, for example, when St. John the Baptist told people he was not the Messiah, he referred to himself as the friend of the bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in the story of the Samaritan woman, Christ, the bridegroom, encounters his bride, which refers to all of humanity, and there is a resulting union between them. This image is quite powerful now as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection in the joyous 50 days because our goal during this period especially is to really know Christ, to understand who he is. We cannot know him through anything other than union. There are many people in the world who try to understand Christ intellectually, but they are all doomed to fail because Christ cannot be experienced on an intellectual level only. In fact, we might say that all of the heresies and all of the divisions of the church occurred because people made the mistake of trying to understand Christ intellectually only. To know him, we must be united with him. Union with Christ is the goal of our lives. From the very beginning when God created man in his image and according to his likeness, it was clear that the goal of man was to be united with God. After man disobeyed God's commandment and separated himself from God, something wonderful and beyond imagination happened. God himself came to man and restored the union. As St. Athanasius and several other church fathers expressed it, God became man so that man might become God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ's incarnation, passion, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, all mankind was granted the opportunity to once again be united to him. This is the essence of what we do in the divine liturgy. 
We do not attend liturgy simply to pray or to eat and drink bread and wine as a mere remembrance of what our Lord did. Instead, we attend liturgies to be united with Christ through our partaking of his body and blood. This is why we call that action communion. Communion is an intimate sharing. To have communion with Christ is to be united with him. Union with Christ, therefore, is one of the most striking aspects of this beautiful story of a man and a woman at a well, the place where love and union grow. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the age of all ages. Amen.